I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. When the pandemic hit the world in early 2020, like many others, my revenue plummeted by 90%. I went from a position of having built a thriving business over a number of years to the potential jeopardy of losing everything. And having nearly lost my home due to a failed e-commerce business in 2008, that was something I really did not want to consider. But I wasn't alone. Sectors like hospitality and travel absolutely fell off a cliff. As it transpired, the marketing communications industry rebounded strongly as brands and companies turned to digital and PR to survive, whereas some of those other industries are still suffering nearly two years on. But if you transport yourself back to the spring and summer of 2020, if you dare that is, you might remember a time amid homeschooling and sourdough and Joe Wicks and toilet roll shortages and Zoom quizzes, that the entire future of the communications industry seemed questionable. It was around this time that I recorded an episode of this podcast with PR leader Ginny Dietrich, in which she stated that the PR industry would not survive the pandemic as a standalone discipline. She cited as evidence ongoing studies which showed that fewer and fewer communicators are reporting into the board year on year. Now, that show is the most listened to in just short of 100 episodes of this podcast. So to kick off 2022, I thought it'd be interesting to revisit it. Now, what I didn't want to do was to simply walk a previously trodden path. So as well as inviting Ginny back to discuss what she said in that show and whether her position has changed, I also invited someone else I admire and respect for his views on where the industry stands today and where it's going. That's former CIPR president Stephen Waddington. Speaking to them both, there are commonalities and also contrasting opinions between what they told me, which makes for an interesting comparison. We're going to kick off with Ginny and whether she still believes that PR's days as a standalone discipline are numbered. If we go back 18 months to the last time we recorded, you were exceptionally sceptical at that time (laughs) about the public relations industry. Paul, you have small children. (laughs) They were home with us all the time. I was dying, dying, (laughs) dying. There was no school. There was no summer camp. So yeah, I was skeptical about everything at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Hence, I think I know the answer to the question I'm going to ask you. (laughs) But I mean, at at that time, you were questioning whether, really, whether PR would even exist in in a couple of years' time. Because the reasoning you gave, which made a very good argument, and I, I, I didn't disagree with you at the time, and I don't disagree now, is that there there was strong evidence of PR being absorbed fully into the marketing discipline. Yeah. Do you think now, looking back? 18 months later, do you think we were wrong to think that PR would cease to exist as a standalone discipline in, I think at the time we said sort of three to five years? So 18 months later, do do you still believe that? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Every client that we work with, 
and and I have in in many cases I have the power to at least influence the decisions. Not a single client has PR standalone or reporting to the, the C suite. Not one. Okay. And in the past, we had a you know we had a handful that we reported, and the PR the communications team reported directly into the C suite. We don't have a single one anymore. So when you look at that trend, and I I get that you know it's a small number and it's not yeah statistically yeah. accurate or anything like that, but out of the eleven clients we have, all of them we no longer report into the C suite. Not not a single one. And and. Two years ago, it was at least half that did. Did you see a shift in that immediately after the pandemic? Because one thing that I, this is an observation, not not a, an experience, but it seemed to me that PR was taking a more, a, a central place. And understandably, because people didn't want to advertise at that time. So communications was, was coming to the fore. But my my perception is that 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 whole thing, which I think at the time we we both assumed, well that that will last I don't know three months, six months, and then we go back to business as normal, and the the requirement for sales kicks in again, and PR is once again put on the back foot, and we go back to exactly how we uh, we were. Now my perception is that hasn't quite played out how I thought it was going to. Do, do you think I'm wrong in in thinking that? I think that between social justice movement, um, all the, you know, especially everything that happened in the the States with the White House and Mm -hmm. and Trump's departure and the attempted coup, and I think with values-based messaging and with DE&I and organizations being told that they should stand up for what they believe and not knowing how to do that, that that has given communicators a more central role because we're the ones that are able to help organizations and executives through those things. Yeah. Last year, that was 100% like everyone was focused on that. Yeah. I get that we're, you know, we're only a couple months into the year right now, but it seems to have died down a little bit and that, I mean, to your point, everybody's back to, we've got to make, we have to make sales. We have to do this. We have to do that. And it's it's all about, and we 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 only work in SaaS organizations. It's all about the recurring co- revenue. That's that's right. all they want to talk about. Yeah, they're like brand awareness is great. We need recurring revenue. That's all they care about. So it's kind of back to where it was then pre-pandemic almost. It feels like it. It definitely feels like it. Yeah, I'm not having as many conversations about, you know, how do we stand up for what we believe and. You know, I had just had a conversation this morning about DE and I, and they're like, "Yeah, but it's already part of our culture. We're already doing it." And I was like, "Right, okay, <laughs> kind of. You are, but not really." That was kind of my assumption eighteen months ago. Is that that is exactly what would happen? We we would just fall back yeah. into old ways. Yeah. And the longer this has gone on, because God, it's gone on a long time. <laughs> the longer this stuff has dragged on, it, it's it's felt to me almost that things become more deep rooted, you know, the longer something goes on. And if that means that part of that is that PR is getting a, a more attention, then that becomes more deep rooted and, and more, more ingrained. But what you're suggesting there is, yeah, possibly, but now it's starting to fall back again. 
Yeah, I mean, it feels that way to me. And and like I said, I'm a it's it's a small focus group, but but it it definitely feels that way. You know, where last year it was almost panicked, like we have to do this, we have to do this, and I need your help, and I need your help, and now it feels like it's kind of calm down a little bit and things are like, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's great. We know we need to focus on it, but we have to make money first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the other things we, we talked about at that time was PR becoming a strategic function. And again, I, I think I know the answer to this one, but <laughs> do you, do you think we've made any progress towards that happening? It sounds like we've almost gone backwards in your mind. I don't know that we've necessarily gone backwards. I just think that in my experience in the last 18 months, it has been very like, if you can, this is great that you have this expertise. We need it, but I need you to focus on X, Y, and Z instead. And if you can't do that, then we're going to have to come back to you. Key is all about data and growth and conversion optimization. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if what you do can fall into that, great. And if not, then we don't need you right now. Right. Which makes a bit of a mockery of all the fuss at the time about the world needs PR, you know, and it's the central thing of marketing, which maybe at the time it was. Yeah, I think at the time it was. And I think if, you know, the country, the the world has, while we're still very much in a pandemic and, you know, that now there's a new variant of, of Omicron, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so we're we're still very much in the middle of all of this and there isn't any stability or routine unless you know something big happens again and history would show that it will you know it's i think it's we've kind of gone back to executives have gone back to sort of what's comfortable and what's comfortable is let's get to trade shows and let's make money (laughs) i mean unfortunately it sucks for us but that's that's what they care about yeah so yeah i mean you wrote an article about 18 months ago, which I'm going to throw this back at you now, Okay. <laughs> which said PR won't survive the pandemic. Maybe we're not at the end of the pandemic yet. <laughs> Have you softened on that? Or do you think, think we're still on the same path effectively to what's going to happen in, I don't know, three years, whatever? I mean, every piece of research shows that mar- PR is going to be absorbed by marketing. Every piece of research. Yeah, so you haven't changed your mind on that at all. You haven't softened on that no, viewpoint. No, I don't see no. any reason that it would. And like I said, all of our clients now have PR under marketing. All of them. Ginny is clearly still adamant that PR as a standalone discipline will cease to exist in the relatively near future. And with that in mind, I was keen to get an alternative viewpoint. I asked Stephen whether he thought that the confluence of the marketing and the PR industries is inevitable. I've actually just done a piece of work for Vulio, the tool vendor on this, looking at, um, you know, this discussion, interestingly, uh, has been going on for at least 50 years. Um, Mm. One of the huge influences on my career is a guy called John White, Dr. John White, who, you know, has been studying public relations from an academic point of view for 20 or 30 years. Yeah, and he put a paper under my nose when I first started uh, writing um, this management paper about, you know, should PR and marketing be better integrated and what would the benefit of that be? And that was published in something like 1978. So this is, you know, this isn't a new new debate what's happened is i think there are areas where um it makes absolute sense because of uh, media fragmentation 
because of the use of data for, for, for marketing and comms to be tightly integrated. And that typically is in, you know, in brand marketing, it's typically where an organization is trying to shift, shift stuff and, and sell stuff. And, and so you find lots of examples there. But then, you know, I can also talk to lots of examples of where you wouldn't want to let a marketeer anywhere near a, a comms team um yeah. you know we started this conversation talking about you know this public health crisis that we faced um no one called the cmo or the marketing manager or the marketing marketing team to help with the, the public health emergency and and you know the communication to to help with productivity internally within organizations that you know were challenged by shifting to working from home and and, and struggling with issues around mental health and fatigue and all, all these you know that that was the comms team working with the hr team that that was brought into that similarly you know you'll never bring a marketing manager in to manage a crisis you know a crisis mm. situation as you know many organizations have faced through through the last two years you you know you're not going to pay your way out of a crisis you can't seo your way out you know it's got to be done by comms yeah uh, and so yeah i think it's high, highly situational on this i think this discussion has been going on um, for 50 years and it will continue for the next 50 years undoubtedly Stephen actually goes much further than simply dismissing the convergence argument i asked him how well he thought the industry has survived the pandemic and what the outlook might be with that in mind. I think it's done much better than survive. I think it's come out of the pandemic or is emerging from the pandemic uh, with an elevated status. Right. I think there was that hiatus in March 2020 as, you know, along with many industries, we were particularly challenged. But if you look at the way that the practice public relations has responded to COVID, you know, in the public sector and the NHS, we supported public health efforts and the vaccination efforts in public sector private organ- and private organisations. We've helped manage transformation. We supported productivity and well-being for organisations that, you know, change their configuration, particularly tough industries such as arts, culture, entertainment, hospitality that have all been help- uh, hit by, you know, shuttered where we've managed sort of in-out hokey-cokey lockdowns communicators have been at the front foot helping manage uh, internal and external audiences and then you know we've we've helping organizations find new markets retail supply chains if you're sat in the uk dealing with brexit uh, and and reach new customers so i i think uh, overall the the report card is good if we weren't part of management or reporting into management before the pandemic we almost certainly are now do, do you think that genuinely is the case as well because is it or is it not being taken more seriously by by the C-suite now? I think it absolutely is. I mean, there's moments when, I, you know, and I can point to them in in, in February, March, twenty twenty. You know, when we the, the pandemic first started to impact society in the UK, you know, where suddenly the communicators were invited to sit in the public sector on resilience forums, uh, in in daily stand-ups within the NHS with, you know, with the CEO. And that sort of continued as a theme right the way through the, the pandemic. So, yeah, certainly my experience. Is this something you're seeing with uh, the various companies agencies that you're involved with is that, is that a sort of a blanket thing or is it some of them are seeing that i think it's very situational i think you know if you talk at the, the 
the market as a whole um you know if you look at agency land there's there's a whole dynamic going on around a shift away from large agency networks in fact um you know agencies in my experience at the moment are more likely to be retrenching from overseas or international offices than they are to be investing in in them and you know they're focusing on on their domestic markets you know and that the whole international network scene got really badly hit in going into that first lockdown because it was so exposed to culture entertainment hospitalities all those sectors that fmcg that you know were really challenged and i think there's been a as happens in any you know dramatic market shift you know there's been a whole load of new agencies started and you know independent agencies doing really really well mm-hmm. uh, and but that i think that reflects the broader you know the broader situation that the industry finds itself in the changes that stephen talks about the shift away from the international agency networks and the emergence of new agency models are things where both he and Ginny have similar views Ginny's own agency, Armand Dietrich, has gone through a period of change over the last two years, and she now finds herself considering brand new ways of doing things. This opened up the opportunity for us to work together for the first time in late 2020 and early 2021. You and I had an experience together with a client where we went pretty deep inside the organization and worked many of our hours in the day with with that client, and it (laughs) was... It was an interesting experience from the perspective of, well, two things. One, being able to work inside an organization at that kind of level, I think provide provides an opportunity for greater result because you're you're in it, and it also, you know, like I've never worked inside a corporation. I've always yeah. worked on the agency side, so giving me the opportunity to work inside a corporation without being an employee um, and without having that piece of it. Cause I can't, I can never be an employee again. Like that's just not, yeah, not yeah. ever going to happen, but being able to work so deep inside an organization that I get that experience is, is incredibly compelling. And when we talked about this 18 months ago, you know, I was just sort of going down that journey. And now 18 months later, I've gone down that journey. I've done it with, with two companies now. Okay. And I love it. And the current client that I'm working with, they have a chief marketing officer and I'm running all of their content and communications, creative search. The only thing I'm not running is growth and sales enablement. So I'm doing everything else. And it's a different experience. It's a different experience for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm not in charge. I lead a team, but I'm not in charge of their livelihood. Like, I don't have to go to sleep at night wondering if I'm going to make payroll the next day. Yep. I don't have to worry about that. Like that whole thing has been taken off of my stress level and shoulders, which is great. I also can have a different relationship with the team because I can't fire them. I mean, I can recommend that they be fired if they're terrible, <laughs> but I can't fire them. And so we're able to have a different relationship than I do with my agency team because I can fire them, right? <laughs> so yeah, they're yeah. always they're always really cautious around me. There's always that layer of, you know, they may not want to be totally truthful. So there's all of that that piece of it that is completely missing from working on the client side because like we're I'm just one of the team and I I love that. I love it. Mm. 
So if you have, over that time spell, then you, you've had these two clients where you've you've effectively performed this role, I guess. Mm-hmm. And has that been you as an individual as opposed to the agency that you run? It's been both. Okay. So with this client I'm in with right now, it's I'm I'm really I'm leading a team of twenty people, right? Um, and all of that. And then my agency is doing. It's like the extra arms and legs. So we're doing the content, we're doing the video production and editing, we're doing the SEO, like we're doing all that. But I'm so essentially what my role is is team leader, culture, process, and then for all the jobs that they have open, I'm interviewing and I'm hiring and I'm onboarding and I'm doing all yep. that. And then my team is doing the the work with their team to get everything done. Okay. So in that case, has has the the business model of what you are doing shifted or is it too early? Because you've had these two projects, so you've been able to sort of effectively trial what you were talking about 18 months right. ago. Right. Has has your business model moved yet or is it too early to, to say that's that's actually happened? I think it's too early, but I am... I am trying to figure out how it evolves and what that mm-hmm. looks like. So that's where, where we are right now is how do we continue to do this? You know, I in in a perfect world, there will be a director of, of content and communications hired in the foreseeable future. And then I will step out. My team will continue to do the work, assuming that the director wants to keep them on. But I will step out of that role and then go on to the next. So I'm trying to figure out what that looks like and how you sell it to a potential client because right now these these opportunities i mean truly are they are led by friends of mine you know that i've worked with before or yeah yeah so it's i've been able to kind of test it out on in both of those cases um but i haven't so i haven't figured out like what the business model looks like and how you sell it and what the messaging is on the website and all that kind of stuff yet yeah yeah it's interesting whether that mirrors what's going on in in the wider world with with pr and marketing i mean my perception is you're probably ahead of the curve on that i hope so (laughs) yeah yeah you would wouldn't you (laughs) but but i i don't see that around i don't see it around anywhere else really This type of multidisciplinary contractor network service offering is indicative of the changing demands and working processes of clients. And what's certainly true is that PR pros are having to upskill in new areas very quickly. Even since the start of this year, and it's only early February as I record this, there's been a considerable amount of hype around NFTs and the metaverse. And that's on top of more conventional upskilling. The areas where public relations and practitioners are getting involved in reflects the demands that have been placed on organisations. So, you know, help, helping manage the public, what was effectively a public health emergency yeah. initially, uh, you know, and the skills that have come into to bear there uh, in terms of understanding publics, understanding behavioural sciences. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's been a big focus on practice and behavioural science. And then some of the things that we've, we've been talking about for five or 10 years, you know, have really come under the microscope, you know, anything in print didn't work, anything out of home didn't work. So it's huge focus on digital channels, a uh, huge focus on, on return on investment because budgets have been so scrutinized, so inevitably on data and measurement, you know, these are all things that have been there for, for, 
the last 10 years or so and you've been reporting and, and recording conversations about mm-hmm. suddenly that's all under real scrutiny and 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 you know has come to the fore and i you know i'm an optimist naturally but i, I think we've responded really well as a profession and going back maybe three or four years i know you you were heavily involved in this it, looking at the impact of ai on the industry there were some pretty harsh predictions about what was going to happen sort of a few years ahead at the moment i don't think that has come to fruition but again what's your opinion on that do you think that the whole impact of ai has maybe changed or gone away has it just been perhaps slowed down by what's happened the last two years what what's your opinion on that I think we overestimated the capability of the tools from a software point of view and underestimated the the expertise of human ingenuity and, and creativity. Uh, and so undoubtedly, you know, and anywhere where our profession crosses over with, you know, large amounts of data and large data sets, there's an opportunity for us to interrogate those data sets smarter and use tools to do that. That said, you know, th- this this notion that we're going to be using tools, you know, the great promise of GPT-3, um, that we'd be using tools to synthesize language and, and auto automated writing, it, it just doesn't just you know it, it works at a very simplistic level so if i create mm. a if i've got a white paper or a thousand words of text and i ask it to, if i ask a, a gpt3 tool to pull out you know key points it, it, it will do that but then word used to do that about 10 years ago you know and it'll pull out headlines or maybe a social post that you could post on twitter and will pass the turing test but that's it you know, it, it, it's nowhere near the level of synthesis of, you know, being able to yeah. create a blog post or something like that. So, no, I think there's a massive amount of hype. Huge thanks to Ginny and Stephen for giving me some of their time. Look them both up on Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.